All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. I am joined today by very special guest, writer and creator, Fabian Nicieza. Super glad he could join us today. He is, of course, the writer of many of your favorite comics. We are going to talk X-Men Legends, Juggernaut, a little X-Men, and uh, Cable and Deadpool, for example. But then, of course, he also has his novel coming out this summer, Suburban Dicks. So we are going to want to tap into what is going on there. First off, Fabian, thanks so much for joining us. How are you feeling today? Uh, tree damage and wind shear aside. I am doing well. Tree damage is a week old, so I don't want to stretch that one out. Uh, I am doing well. I just thank you for the introduction. It was very kind of you. I just want to acknowledge officially that I, I may be the writer of some of our audience's favorite books, but I'm also certainly the writer of some of our audience's least favorite books, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. So I want that on the record, too. All right? A diverse and varied want, career, yeah. Yeah, I don't... I don't want to appeal to just one segment of the audience, the audience that likes me. And I don't know, let's say likes good comics. Uh, I want to, I want to appeal to the audience that doesn't like me as well. Yeah. That's my, my, my entire promo hook for the book is if you like what I've written in the past, you're going to like this book. And if you don't like what I've written in the past, you're not going to like this book, but you should read it so that you can continue to not like me. So mm -hmm. you got I I'm a firm believer in, I, I want to read something before I judge it watch something before I judge it. You sure, know what I mean? Sure. So you can't, you can't know for sure you're going to hate my comic until you actually buy it and read it. And then by then it's too late. Cause I already pocketed the money. There you go. got to got to maintain a little, uh, an educated, uh, portfolio. So you can review these things with accuracy, right? You have to, you have to know yeah. why you like something. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're seeing too much of that. Like there's way too much, um, opinion one way or the other, based on the scantest of information about our entertainment content, mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, yeah. you know, you see a trailer and a movie sucks. No, it really doesn't. You, you know, <laughs> you don't know because you haven't seen the movie yet. So I, I prefer to, to hate or love based on what I've actually read or watched. That's there you my go. Preference. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's how you get good criticism. So like, all right, so I, I have read X-Men Legends and Juggernaut. I have a somewhat... I have my own version of education on those stories, so we'll talk about those a bit. This is the segue into saying you're justified in your hate of them. <laughs> so and let me tell you. Fair enough. Wrong. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, perfect. So, so what brought you back over the last few months? You've had in the Marvel Universe, um, X Men Legends, and Juggernaut. What brought you back to these projects? Let's start with with X Men Legends, and I guess broadly, well, like what kind of projects? I got to be honest, Dave. We're yeah, better, yeah. Dave. We're better off if we start with Juggernaut because that came first by quite a wide sure. margin. Sure. Let's do you it. Know? Let's start. Um, I, how I came back is I never technically left cause I'm a freelance writer. Right. Sure. And you get offers and you decide if you're interested in them or not. Um, and I had been doing semi regular work for Marvel uh, on a consistent level, just on stuff you never saw. No one ever saw cause it was almost always custom comic work. Yeah. Um, but I, I was doing four or five projects a year, it seemed, for custom comics project work. Um, but comic book writing hasn't been my main gig for 15 years, 20 years almost. Right. Um, so so I've always done it based on interest as much as anything, um, even more so once the the college tuitions started to payments started to dwindle mm. and uh and the mortgage ended uh once all those things started to happen i, I really started to make choices based on interest mm -hmm. um 
that being said, I had not done a regular project for Marvel since uh, the the Secret Wars Age of Apocalypse miniseries. And I don't even know what year that was. 2016? I don't know. Yeah. Um, so in September of 2019, uh, I got a call at a left field from Jordan White, the ex-editor. And I had just started getting the... I'd gotten the Hickman... Um, two miniseries that had just come out at that point, the yeah. first Powers and House miniseries. Out of curiosity, I, I don't follow the books on a monthly basis. I read them a bunch of stuff in trade paperback form down the road, you know? But I was curious to see what Hickman was going to do because I find him a fascinating writer. Yeah. Um, and, and and I got a call from Jordan out of the blue, and he said, you, would you be interested in doing a Juggernaut miniseries? And... and hmm. Usually, I'm very trepidatious about offers from Marvel or DC for many justifiable reasons. Um, but but I love Juggernaut. I've always loved Juggernaut. Um, and, and when he offered it to me, and I like Jordan a lot. I like working with him a lot. He's a really good editor. Um, so so when he offered it to me, my initial response is, yeah, okay, absolutely. But what's what what where are we at with him? Yeah. Um, where does where does he stand in context to? this this current status quo and jordan gave me the 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 pitch uh, the, that's exactly what he wanted to explore where does juggernaut stand in this current status quo and at that time he wasn't going to be allowed on krakoa no no non-mutant at that time was going to be allowed on krakoa mm -hmm. and i said sold absolutely let's go um and before i hung up the phone with him he goes oh by the way the last time we saw him he got hit the gem ripped out of his chest uh he lost the armor and he got kicked into limbo and he hangs up the phone <laughs> like, Wait, what? 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 um and and and, and I'm often responsible for and then blamed for having to be the continuity spackle boy. Mm. And, and and it's incredibly annoying. And I, I feel and felt that I, I no longer want to be that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and normally that really would have bugged the hell out of me. But I, I got two problems. In my DNA, I'm incapable of not continuing the flow of continuity because it's just who i am since i've been reading this stuff since 1967 and i worked on staff for 10 years you know yeah. um and i also felt in this particular instance the fact that he was starting from ground zero with no powers no gem and no home anymore and no affiliation with the x-men all of that tied together perfectly for how i wanted to structure the story so I started writing it in late September, early October, 2019. And I finished my fifth plot script by January of, um, 2020. Um, and then the pandemic came. So the book got delayed. Right. So, you know, it was in the interim, um, well after the fact and after juggernaut started to come out already that Mark Basso called me and offered me the X-Men legends stuff. Gotcha. Um, so that was the X-Men legends. It, it, and I'm throwing Marvel under the bus because I really don't care. The, the scheduling <laughs> on that, the scheduling on that was ludicrous, ludicrous. What they expected us to be able to do, um, and we didn't sign on. I think knowing that was what we were going to be expected to do, especially Brett uh, and Adelso, the artists, uh, um, and Guru FX, the colors. So we we started X Men Legends in late September, early October of 2020. And the first issue, which was an exercise issue, was coming out in February of 2021. Yeah, that's nuts. It's nuts. It, it, it's not. It shouldn't be that way. Um, I'm sure there's lots of budgetary publishing reasons why they ramped it up and and moved it sooner 
Um, and, and I understand all those cause I've lived all those in my life. It just doesn't make it any less pressure on the creative person. Sure. Um, and Brett and Adelso had to turn around 50 pages of art in, in just a few months. And it's a lot. Uh, so anything you see in print, they busted their humps to get us there. Yeah. Um, and, and the X-Men legends thing was a, a very difficult sell to me, um, for many obvious reasons. Um, I, I, I really only did it because I, I felt it was the last chance I would ever get to shut my mouth about it. Um, and I'm really glad that it's done only in so much as now I can just shut up about it. Now, now no one will, after today, no one will ever ask me about Adam X again. No one will ever ask me about <laughs> it's done it's in the rearview mirror now and and whatever gets done with the character or, or if nothing gets done with the character it doesn't matter because i got to tell the story pretty much exactly the way i had intended to tell it in 1995 the only difference is i lost about 38 pages of story content because my original breakdown was for a four issue miniseries and this was 50 pages in two issues sure um so i had a really i, I had a really I, I cut out a lot of the, the 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 slower moments, the character beats, the the interactions between uh, Scott, Alex, and, and Adam and Corsair. I had to cut all of that out. I, I cut a lot out um, from my original plans. But but the story beats themselves: the beginning, the middle, the end. That that's all. That's all pretty much the exact structure I had planned for in 1995, and I was always intending to leave him off where we leave him off at the end of issue two. Um, in terms of his status quo within the X universe, he was there, but he wasn't there at the same time. Would that mean, so in terms of the ending, then your intention back when this was going to be, you know, a four issue mini in 95 that, that never came to fruition, your intention was to sort of reset the memories of, of the X-Men. So they didn't remember, or is that a going to be left? He was going to be, he was going to be working at a farm with a, a kid and his, his injured father. And he, would have no memory of who he was in the capacity that that he was the the would-be emperor of the Shi'ar Empire. Yeah. Um, that was all out of his mind. He knew he was a mutant. He knew he had these powers. He he, he knew that he was um, not fully human. He knew that he was half uh, Shi'ar, but in his mind, he would have just been a guy on Earth who grew up on Earth as far as he really knew. Um, and that would have been it, but I also never necessarily planned to return to him unless the, the audience wanted it. I, I really had, when I originally introduced the, the, the brothers subplot, I started it as a, as kind of a, almost like a, a, a curious probing mystery for fun. Like I just had Sinister say it without any actual plans. Uh, yeah. the minute the minute that Bob Harris, the editor, liked it, the idea a lot, that's when I jumped into X-Force Annual 2 and introduced Adam. And the, the problem was that I, 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 I had a plan for how he was going to be introduced and developed and then get his miniseries. And I had a verbal okay for that, but it never turned into reality. So right. as a result, his introduction and his maturation were always incredibly stunted. 
um, and and never was able to come to fruition, which would have been the miniseries mm-hmm. um, back then. And, and and that would have been a, to- a story told. There would not have necessarily needed to be another story. Um, Adam Adam was never intended to be a part of X Force or a part of X Men. If anything, if there was popularity to him, if there was good reaction to him, if he had grown as a character in a good way um, at that time, the story would have been told out in space. It, it would have been a Starjammers book, mm, or it yeah. would have been a Shi'ar book out in space, an X book out in space. That that's where it would have been. Um, but but it, what what would have come after? A miniseries back in 95 or what would come after x-men legends 2 um i, I don't think it's an it's an earth-based story for him yeah um but, but i never also worried about it one way or the other i never gave it too much thought I, I wanted to tell the mini and i wanted to be done with the story when i was done with the mini uh that that was my 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 hope back then um so other than the one last panel i threw into issue number two which ties into a panel that, that I into a, a mini series I wrote for Marvel in the early aughts, which ties into the you know the the, the screen on screen on screen thing that, that I did in X Men thirty nine, which tied into uh, X Men ninety eight. And, and you said you don't like continuity. <laughs> well, not that I don't like continuity. I don't like being the person who's always expected to be responsible for it, and yeah. then being blamed for being responsible. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. it becomes a no-win situation. Like, like you know, this hole has a whole bunch of walls that the previous writer left, and the next writer doesn't want to pay any attention to those holes. Do you mind filling in those holes? And then after the holes are filled in, is when a bunch of editors or writers look at it and go, "Huh, those holes have bumps on them. They're not perfectly sanded." Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like, screw you! I just, I just, <laughs> I just had to deal with. I just had to deal with your indifference if you're the new writer or the previous writer's indifference and in how they left it or the editor's indifference in, in navigating it. Uh-huh. I mean, the, it, the way they hit people handle continuity now is nine times out of ten by ignoring it. And, and I don't get that either because it creates a completely disjointed reading experience for the audience. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, so, so I think it's just got to be a balance. And I, and I don't think most current writers or editors have found the way to strike that balance properly. Yeah, no, it's a challenging thing because it's one of the benefits of a shared universe, you know, in the end of the history of Marvel, of having this continuity that you can leverage of, of you coming in and, and doing an Adam X story, for example, and and then being able to say like, yeah, go back and check out X-Men 23, X-Men 39, uh, the Captain Marvel mini. Like that's for me as a comics fan, that's a fun bit of like detective work to kind of put the pieces together. Um, but I can see definitely as a creator how, yeah, like, like getting blamed for someone else's holes definitely sounds unappealing uh, with with the Adam X story in X-Men Legends. So like, first off, I'm, I'm glad you're you're doing the final word on Adam X here. I, I appreciate that. Um, and so you never have to talk about it again. But in X-Men Legends, you know, the way this ends, it sounds like you're definitely more interested in sort of like fully developing the Adam X story and that character definitely more so than like, I think what fandom glommed onto, which was the Summers family tree and the, and the Summers family lineage and, and this third Summers brother thing. Are you at the end of this, are you pretty satisfied with like, all right, I got to do my Adam X thing. I'm happy. That's his story. End of story. I'm good. Like, are you, are you happy with the way this rolled out? Um, I'm happy enough with the way it rolled out. Um, I, 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 I honestly would have preferred the 30 page issue to be issue number two, not issue number one. Mm. Um, I needed, I needed more space in issue number two. I, everything 
everything is um everything happens too quickly everything is is dis- it feels disjointed to me um but that's only because i know what my original outline was i know what my original plans were when you when you see the imperial guard show up in in that in issue uh, toward the end of issue two, that was actually the cliffhanger that would have been all of issue three. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the original four issue miniseries, and yeah. then when you see the the him on on the Shi'ar throne world with Lelandra and Oracle mucking around with their minds, that would have been all of issue four. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have been so perfunctory and quick. The the process by which they make the decision to to basically wipe their minds is was not an originally intended to be a two panel decision. It was intended to be, you know, an eight page decision. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so I look at it in a different way than a reader might. Um, I, I, I'll say that I'm very pleased with it visually. Uh, I think Brett and Adelso did phenomenally good work for, for what was expected of them, the kind of work and the kind of tone and style that they were being asked to do i think i i had wanted brett to do this and, and i'm really glad that he agreed to do it because he's he was the perfect choice in this century to be doing last century's mm, style sure um my the original artist i had wanted to do the miniseries was jeff johnson at that time who was drawing wonder man for me as an editor and and really um co-created the character with me in terms of his visuals um I, that's who I wanted back then. Jeff's style now is not the same as it was back then, so I don't think he would have been the right guy to handle the two issues right now because mm-hmm. X-Men Legends is really going for a tone. It's going for a very specific tone, and yeah. I'm sure we'll see that with Walton Louise's issues coming up as well. Um, and and it's, it's, it's not as easy a tone as you think it might be to try to capture a style that, is how you wrote or how you drew 30 years ago, you mm-hmm. know, or how an audience wanted to see the work 30 years ago. So uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not writing two issues of X-Men legends the same way that I was writing the five issue juggernaut miniseries, you know, right, it, yeah. it, it, it's a conscious choice to try to write it in a style that, um, it, it, not so much in terms of the dialogue or in terms of the captions necessarily even, but in terms of the pace and in terms of how a story unfolds, hmm. um, it, 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 it's, it's got more of a bombastic big picture edge to it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's got more density to the plot um, because it's not taking six issues to tell a story. It's not, there are no, there are no opportunities to have Adam talk to the viewer in a nine panel grid and just have <laughs> dialogue piled on top of itself. Yeah. Like a, Frickin' heap of mulch getting dropped on top of a driveway that you got to spread out on your lawn. Um, so, so it, it's a very, it's a very different tone. It's a very different pace. Um, there's some readers who hate that. There's some pseudo intellectualists who don't think. Oh, hang on, Fabian. If you can hear me, I lost your audio just for a second. Can you hear me? I can hear you fine the whole time. Okay, good. Nope, you're back. You just uh, you cut out for a second there. No, somebody got mad at me for calling them pseudo intellectuals. Yeah, that that actually looked it, it looked like I muted you. It looked like I got nervous. Yeah, you muted me because you were you you were mad. You're one of those cool comic. I'm like I'm absolutely wants, a pseudo intellectual. How dare you? <laughs> they want you want your superhero to stare at the camera and talk for nine panels in a row. Um, 
uh, so it's a story. It's a story whose 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 beats are unfolding through the course of action and movement. That's really kind of antithetical to how superhero comics are being done now, mm-hmm. um, especially mm-hmm. at Marvel, where all the story beats unfold with characters talking about them after the fact. Um, so so it, it's just you know it's a different structure. And I was very curious when I was looking at reviews of the of the issues how some people understand it intrinsically what what is trying to be done and other people just are completely clueless and, and, and are comparing it or holding it to a completely different standard yeah you know it, 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 it's it, it's just so odd to me it's, it's like like taking an episode of dick van dyke and, and holding it up against you know a, 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 an episode of curb your enthusiasm i don't know you know it's just sure, right they're they're, they're they're different. They're different creatures, even though they're half-hour sitcoms. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a historical context that you're going for that, like this fits in this era because that was Adam X's era, and that's when this story chronologically fits. Which I really appreciate that that you and the art team would would take that tone and try to adhere it to the X Men Legends. Like you mentioned, I'm looking forward to that in the Walt and Louis Simonson version too. Where like, yeah, if you're going to do a story set in the past, it's actually very cool to visually craft it as if it was set then, you know, like it's a bit of like tapping back into that well of why fans enjoyed those stories in the first place. I I definitely appreciate that rather than trying to fully modernize it. You know, obviously there's recognition it's coming later. It's released in 2021, but like it, I think just visually it connects a lot easier if it has that tone set, which is, which is its own artistic vision, right? To try and capture that feel of like, what was this like in 1994 or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. And if you notice it's, there's a lot of there's a lot of page turn surprises. There's a lot of big panels and big splashes that aren't predicated so much on that they visually will look cool the way it is done nowadays. You know, uh, double page spreads of of devastation. Sure. After, you know, after the superhero fight has already happened, this is this is big panel reveals as a result of the story beats rather than uh, as a result of the story triggers the reveal rather than the reveal triggering the story Mm -hmm. which is how a lot of current comics are being done um uh, you know i don't understand it but it's the way it's done now so and i can do that i can do it that way too no problem uh i I just tend to prefer the 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 story the story generating the reveal rather than the other way around Oh my God! Look at that. I saw. Is that from the book itself? This is from Legends. Yeah, this is from issue two. Yeah, I don't have. I don't have issue two yet. I didn't go to the store to get it last week, and I probably won't get my copies for another few weeks. Um, <laughs> this I, is I the, went to the store uh, to get the issue tree. one. That was that was good enough for me. That's crazy, <laughs> right? That why do I have why do why does my guy get a dotted line? Well, he's a, he's a half brother with the Summers, right? Yeah, is that the, does that warrant a dotted line though? Shouldn't he have a solid line? <laughs> this, this sounds like a good question for Marvel editorial. I mean, here's the thing too: they don't even key that what? into the legend. They they don't actually have a, a specification there in the legend what a dotted line means. And why why does why does Vulcan Havoc and Cyclops all get a solid line connected to Corsair and Catherine Summers? Why that's not fair. Well, they're well. I, I mean, you can you can tell me if I'm wrong, but my understanding here is, Cyclops, Havoc, and Vulcan—they're all the children of Corsair and Catherine, right? Whereas Adam, per per legends. Oh wait, be, was Vulcan was Vulcan a child of Corsair and Catherine? 
Well, that's an interesting question. Maybe I thought he wasn't. I think I think he I don't. Wasn't. I never I read the right. story. I yeah, never, yeah. I no, never I think read you're the story. Right. I, never, I never will read the story. So I, I thought it was Corsair and some alien woman. Yeah. All right, so I'm 100% right. They're 100% wrong. So I think that's fair. Even the family fair. tree that they put into the book that finalizes the Adam X story disrespects Adam X. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so it actually it actually is totally fitting. It's perfect. It, what it a, works out really well. What a perfect way to go. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll have to dig into that. I need to do some research now. Um, all right, let's let's talk then. Let's connect what you were just saying about in terms of writing and the style and tone about writing Juggernaut. So that's you doing a, a mini in the in the current in the modern day right in this Krakoa era um is that something where you know you're talking about the different styles and you sort of observing modern comics in the nine panel grid and, and sort of just the approach when you're writing a juggernaut mini for example are you consciously like how do you balance like okay this is the way comics want you to move now versus just like your own instincts in terms of like this is uh, how i prefer to tell a story i don't yeah I, it's the latter i i don't give a crap uh, about what an audience's expectations are for how a story should be told to them. Mm -hmm. Um, job is to tell the story. Um, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of fans thinking that the work they buy is supposed to validate them. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm a fan of fans buying stories they like. That's all. And if you don't like it, don't buy it. Um, I, I quit lots of my monthly book plenty of times growing up because they bored me. So, yeah. um, I, I did not write Juggernaut to what I would consider a a current modern style. Um, I, I wrote him to what interested me to try to do as a writer. And I wanted to do, instead of a five-issue miniseries that was one decompressed story, um, I wanted to do the exact opposite. I wanted to tell five self-contained incredibly compressed stories yeah. with with ongoing subplots um so it was its own experiment in a way um overall one i'm pretty pleased with um and and it helps to have an artist like ron garney who's just a phenomenally good storyteller he's able to he's able to show you a lot in three panels whereas other other artists or writers expected to take three pages um and and I, I just purposefully wanted to try something a little different. And that was kind of forced on me in a way because he was being reintroduced without the gem and without the armor um, right. as a result of what happened to him in, in Rosenberg's X-Men run. Um, if I had not had that to contend with, it may have been a pretty different story in terms of its structure. But the decision that we would show the 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 burden of what power means to Kane through a present day story combined with the things he did to reattain the power um, was really became the linchpin of the whole book to me. Um, it, it, we're telling the same theme in two different ways in two different time periods, right? Like the la the previous six months leading to the present and then what the present is. Um, and, and it shows that he felt he was nothing without the power. And it's only now having reacquired it, that he realizes that he has to be something because of the power. Mm -hmm. You know, so mm -hmm. I don't see him as being remotely redeemed, 
quote unquote. Um, I think he's a character that has so many built-in excuses for the disparity in how he's been presented in the past. Yeah. Raging monster versus, you know, dopey, good guy, you know, um, I, I, I got to write him in the X-Men forever miniseries extensively. And because of the nature of that series, it required absurd amounts of there's that word again, continuity. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, under awareness so i read pretty much all of juggernaut's appearances up to that point and, and the one thing that struck me which i played out throughout the course of that miniseries since it was about the present day characters at that time jumping back into their bodies their minds jumping back into their bodies in the mm. past um there were many many times where juggernaut was off the table because of the stupid things he did or got involved in you know, and I got to play that out. Or he was in stuck in concrete for for a year. <laughs> An entire issue of X Men Forever, where he's—it's just anytime we cut to him, it's just black panels because he's stuck in concrete. Yeah, and he's, yeah. If you're if you're if you're ten years older, let's say, or five years older, whatever, and you go back in time and realize I spent a year of my life stuck in concrete, what what should you be thinking? Should you be thinking, damn that Spider-Man, I'm going to get my vengeance on him? Or are you going to be thinking, what an idiot I was that I got myself into a situation where I got stuck in concrete? Right. What kind of an idiot does that, you know? Um, and I opted for the latter with Kane. I, I wanted him to come out of that miniseries with the realization that, he his entire life has been a quest for power because of his insecurity but having achieved that power he's never done anything secure with it yeah. right yeah. so so i set him up at the end of that miniseries 20 years ago almost uh to 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 take on a more active role not as a hero but as a as a proactive force that can be used in a positive way um and, and that's exactly where we leave him at the end of this current miniseries it's almost like i went full circle i just i, yeah. I ended i ended this miniseries with a new status quo for him which is not all that different than the status quo i, I had left him with at the end of x-men forever where he was going to be a bounty hunter for the the you know the commission on superhuman registration right. blah 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 you know yeah, yeah. Superhuman activity whatever it was called there's so many acronyms mark Gornwald loved acronyms um so so you know i leave him now with the realization that I have to do something with this power. And that, that means for him, I have to help other people like me to not be as stupid as I was. That's the, that's the goal. So that's where we end him at the end of the juggernaut miniseries. So, you know, if he, if he's, if it's juggernaut and the unstoppables, the goal is to help other people that are like him, uh, people who, who, who you, you, you can try to reach, throw a line out to and pull them out of the, the the negative into something a little more positive doesn't make them heroes doesn't mean they're going to be on the side of authority and and, and law or good guys or anything like that they're right. going to cheat a lot they're going to they're going to they're going to be you know real dickish about some of the things they they might do but the the potential is there it's almost a, a reverse thunderbolts in a way you know yeah <laughs> yeah um and that that that's that's a, that's a good status quo for him. Whether you know whatever Marvel chooses to do down the road with it, it, it is what they choose to do. I don't I don't worry about that stuff anymore. You know? Sure, um, sure. You know after after Nomad got shot in the head, Jack Monroe got shot in the head and shoved in a trunk in Captain America um, twenty years ago. I, I basically stopped worrying about uh, what what was going to happen to my work after I was done doing it. You know mm. what I mean? 
Mm. That's a tricky thing to, yeah, I can, I can see needing to, to give that up. I mean, I really do like the status quo you've set up for, for juggernaut here. Um, I, I do want to pencil in juggernaut and the unstoppables as a possible sequel to this. Cause I think that would be incredibly appealing, honestly, but yeah, I mean, I, I like this nature of taking Kane and, and, and finding the gray area between, okay, he's been the super villain. He's been with the X-Men. None of that quite feels right at this point, you know, now having him be an actual person with remorse <laughs> for having lived that way, I think winds up being the most interesting you can way you could write him. Um, and having him have D-Cell, this new character that you've added, uh, a, a new mutant in the Marvel Universe, um, having him kind of take her under his wing and, and be like, I need to protect you and I need to help you, even though she is very capable herself, you know, and just, I, I like that role for him. Like, okay, let's, let's help these people who don't know quite what to do with themselves. Um, and, and not literally like we're the heroes, but just like, they need help. Let's figure it out. You know, I, I think that's a good role for this character. Now, yeah, I, um, I, what I, I, I also like that I, I could, the whole, every character I brought into that book for him to, to fight was intended to be a character that was almost the antithesis of what juggernaut's powers are other than the Hulk, which was a different thing altogether. That, that, that was, that was brought in in order to show Kane what a hypocrite he is, has been in his life. Yeah. Um, but, but bringing in someone like quicksand or bringing in someone like Primus or even D cell, every one of their power sets is the, is the almost the opposite of the, unstoppable force the the yeah. runaway train juggernaut is and and i really like that because it, it creates it creates a challenge for kane um and, and, it, and it created opportunity for ron on a visual basis too mm -hmm. so if he's going to be surrounded by those other characters um that, that that's interesting because then you're creating a team that also has an interesting visual dynamic and and an interesting um, combination of powers that allows you to do some cool things from a story standpoint in terms of the action. I know action is not something a lot of readers want to hear about anymore. Uh, it used to be something we cared about in comics. We're back to that. Now it's things that characters talk about, but in my comics, it's still things characters do. So I, I like I like the the combination of they, of, they share uh, their they share their journal so, entries while the action goes on, right? They 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 share their little diary entries while the action's happening, or they talk or they talk to a camera, yeah, or they talk to a camera that's conveniently positioned right in front of a lot the, of convenient cameras the in the Marvel <laughs> universe, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so with with Juggernaut, you're working here with Ron Garney and the team um, on this really interesting mini, but it's like it's set in this X office and it's set in this very particular era, right? Like like you mentioned, it's post-Hickman House and Powers kind of reconfiguring like the status quo of X-Men, which has been a really big deal for readership. It's led to a lot of people diving into X-Men, maybe even for the first time um, as far as comics readership goes. Now, you reference kind of what's going on with X-Men and Krakoa. It's not like heavily set in that version because Juggernaut's not a mutant and Professor X shows up to be like... It, not only are you not allowed, but also I'm your stepbrother and I kind of don't like you much. So I'm not going to like sugarcoat yeah. this. Um, what, what are your feelings about sort of this era and writing in it with Krakoa? Like what's, what's positive for you? What's negative? Um, or was it all just kind of whatever as you, as you did your juggernaut? Um, it, it, it was actually kind of whatever, but not in a negative way. It, it was whatever because it was so early in the, release of the new titles 
and so early. I mean, I mean, when you're reading the Juggernaut miniseries, you 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 understand is almost a full year after I wrote the Juggernaut miniseries. So yeah. in 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 the meantime, the other titles all had eight, ten issues come out. You know, and and they evolved their Krakoa status quo through the course of that time period in a way that kind of got away from Juggernaut. It kind of, because uh, humans are allowed on, on Krakoa. So then it ends up, if you're comparing it on a time basis and you're looking at Juggernaut and going, well, it's happening at the same exact time as X-Force 12 is happening. Well, no, it's really not mm. because I wrote it when X-Force 2 was happening happening you know right. so people came out of juggernaut going oh xavier's a, a dick for not letting juggernaut on 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 krakoa well when i wrote it it was just the status quo that was being developed at that time they just chose to evolve it as writers and editors for whatever reason i'm not in the writer's room uh so i don't know um and and i prefer to be on the periphery of it um actually jordan had recently invited me if i wanted to participate in, in the writers meetings and the shared things like that. And I was like, no, it's all right. Thank you. I'm all right. I don't need to. Mm. Um, it, I'm not, uh, I'm working on something right now, but I can't say what it is yet. Uh, it's just not, it's not so I'm not, what I'm working on is not so dependent that it requires me to look at eight, 10, 12 different plots by different writers. Um, sure. uh, it's not really where I'm at in my career right now or in my brain. Yeah. Um, I, if I were 35, it would be super fun and exciting. Uh, but at 59, it's like, yeah, no, no thanks. I'm okay. I don't <laughs> just tell me what I can or can't do. That's all, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so I, I don't know what the story beats are. I read everything pretty much well after the fact. Um, yeah. I, I read digital trades. So I'm usually not reading the stuff until um, usually six to 10 months at the least since it's come out. Um, I mean, currently my bedtime reading has been uh, the Mark Wade's Dr. Strange series. I think that's a couple years old at this point. Yeah. yeah you know, sure. so I don't, I, I, I don't, I try not to keep up, but I think it's brain damaging to try to keep up. Is that uh, is that for research or is that for fun? Dr. Strange. Uh, oh, that's for fun. Okay. That's okay. Fun. Good deal. Nice what? Try, it was a good try. I, 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 no, Doc, Doctor Strange is one of the ones that got away. I never got. I've always wanted to write at least a year's run on that book, and I never got the chance. So, so it would have been fun if it were for research purposes, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That was actually one of the questions we had here from a listener, which was, "Are there any big two wish list characters?" So, Doctor Strange, maybe. Are there are there any others that you're at like Mar I really at, Mar at Marvel? That. My two. Uh, see, you got to understand that I've written every character pretty much at both companies now, but yeah. there's a difference between writing a character and writing a book, you know, and, and, and you used to get on a book and think you were going to be on it for four or five years, 10 years, whatever, you know, oh, most yeah. writers don't think that way anymore. Generationally, they change their thinking that they, they, they're, they, they want to tell a story and then they're done. Or even if they want to stay on the book, they're being changed because they're shuffling creative teams all over the place all the time anyway. Um, the two that I always wanted to write regularly at Marvel back in the day were Doctor Strange and and um, and Captain America. Mm. Those were the two that I, I really would have loved a shot at both of those monthly. Cap, I could have written for five years without a problem. Doctor Strange, I don't think so. I, I know I had a... I know I had a, a, a a big story I wanted to tell that would have been 12 issues and then could have propelled 
the ramifications could have propelled for another 12. So let's say I had a 25 issue run of Dr. Strange and sure that, that would be cool. That would have been cool. I would have liked that. Yeah. Um, I tried, I tried to get it back in like 90, 91. And I just, uh, the editor, Ralph Macchio chose to go in a different direction. Uh, but that was, that was one that got away. Uh, and, and cap, I always wanted to write, but at the time, Mark Grunwald was pretty, pretty much never going to give that book up. So yeah. it, it, I got, Right. I got to write Nomad, which was Cap Peripheral, and I got to write the Adventures of Captain America limited series with Kevin McGuire. So I, at least I got my my finger in the pie. Absolutely, absolutely. At, what a at, D, at DC at DC, it's uh, Nightwing is the key. Nightwing and Superman are two two characters I would love to have had uh, a shot at. Um, yeah. It, 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 I've gotten to write both, obviously, and it's been it was really, really rewarding for me to get to write both of them, especially Nightwing, because Dick Grayson's my favorite character mm. in comics. But I never got long runs on on any DC title for that matter. Even Red Robin was was like abruptly screwed around with twice. So yeah, um, you know, uh, it, those are the two. The, so the two DC and the two Marvels are, are those four guys. Gotcha, gotcha. Those are good answers. No, I, I could definitely see a good Nightwing run uh, from you. I think that would be super appealing. Um, as far as like like what's coming next from you, we got your novel Suburban Dicks, which I want to give you space to talk about. Um, let's let's start there. Uh, what um what can people expect from this novel, and uh, why um what what are you most excited about for like people to to get to explore here? Um. Well, I, I'm. Considering that I had the original story idea broken down in like 94, 95, okay. uh, it, it's ironic that it's a product of the 90s. It's, <laughs> the, it's the Adam X of novels. It, it's coming out in 2021. Yeah. Um, I, I, I always wanted to tell the story. I, 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 I wanted to write prose and I just never had the confidence to do it. It, just, it, it really boils down to that. Hmm. It's as simple as that. I always wanted to write a books and this book or this series, because I, I have more stories to tell with these characters. Um, I just never had the confidence to do it. And I, I finally gained the confidence by not caring that I didn't have the confidence to do it. You know what I mean? Sure. I, I just reached the point where I said, if I don't do this, when am I going to do it? And I, I never undertook it with the idea that it was going to earn me income uh, of any kind of substantial nature. I did not think of it as a as a um, as a career opportunity so much as a, a career checklist that I wanted to mark off. You know, yeah. um, I, I so I started writing it in the toward the end of 2017 and got good initial feedback from a couple people. And then just kept writing, and I finished it uh, January of 2019, I think. Okay. Um, and I didn't write it every day because I was doing other stuff. I it really there were sometimes where a week or two went by where I didn't write anything in the book, you know. Um, and I spent most of 2019 editing it because I had to cut a lot. And then I got an agent who was willing to represent it, and that changed the dynamics tremendously because I did not know that I'd be able to get an agent, much less a good agent at a powerful agency. Yeah. Um, and, and that turned into a, a bidding war where I had multiple publishers want to purchase it. Um, and, and it was incredibly rewarding and really exciting and a lot of fun. Um, but ultimately it was just, 
um, not it's it's financial validation, which I'm really glad about. My wife is very happy that it's it sold in a two book deal to a major publisher. Nice, yeah. Because I originally told her, I originally told her if I if if, if my best expectation was I'd sell it to a small mystery paperback book publisher for five k, and she gave me a look like she wanted to hit me with a baseball bat. <laughs> um, so. so so selling it in a in a pretty substantial deal, a, a two book contract to a major publisher, and ha- having it get it's already been optioned for for a television development. I just can't announce where or with who yet. That's um, exciting. But but it's, yeah. it was yeah it, that was all happening at the same time. Actually, the the TV group of the agency had the manuscript at the same time as the New York publishing group was was showing it to publishers. So I had. In a two three month span back in late 2019 early early 2020, I was juggling conversations with book editors about it as we were trying to decide who we wanted to go with, and juggling uh, multiple TV production companies who were interested in it, and just trying to decide who we wanted to go with. You know, yeah. Um, and it, and it was super fun and super super rewarding. Obviously, at this stage in my career, at my age, it's it's really rewarding to do something that's completely out of what people expect of you mm-hmm. what they think your bandwidth is i don't think it's out of my bandwidth because i've had the idea for almost 30 years you know what i mean yeah. so could it be out of my bandwidth when it's something i wanted to write in 1995 um and and i just made a rule for myself i said no tights no flights no fights mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. It, it, it's a novel it's a it's a murder mystery about people struggling to deal with their own insecurities, their own failures, their own prejudices, their own fears. Um, and, and it's fun and it's funny and it's fast paced. So it's entertaining. So I, I think the reaction I've gotten from a lot of people, which has been super rewarding because it's, it's exactly what I was hoping for is that you, you're entertained and it leaves you with something to think about, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's the, the two lead characters are a 34 year old woman who is pregnant with her fifth child and she should have been an FBI profiler, but the pregnancy of her first child derailed that for her. Um, and a 29 year old uh, reporter who won a Pulitzer Prize in college for a story that took down the administration of the New Jersey governor. And now, 10 years later, almost, he's working for a weekly suburban newspaper. <laughs> so his downfall in his 20s was was substantial. Mm-hmm. And each, they, they knew each other in high school because she used to date his older brother. Um, and, and, and each of them need to validate themselves for different reasons she needs to prove to herself that this is who she is and and technically by doing so who she should have always been and he needs to validate himself by proving that his initial success was not a fluke that that he made a lot of mistakes but the core of him is somebody who gets to the truth you know um and and the mystery is is really about um, suburban fear of change in cultural and diversity and demographics. Um, it's about, it's about white fear of change, uh, which is absurdly prevalent on this planet now, mm-hmm. um, has been, but we're, we're a lot more aware of it now than maybe we ever used to be. Um, and, and, and it's set in the suburbs where I live and I've lived here 
in this general area for 30 years, but in New Jersey, since I was four, since I was about seven years old. Um, so I have a real keen understanding about the changes and the fluctuating um, movements uh, of, of the demographic makeup of my area. Um, so the murder mystery, because of, because of the nature of the murder mystery, it's a, it's a Indian gas station attendant who gets killed. And the reason that he was killed could be as a cover up to something that happened 50 years ago. Hmm. Um, and, and, and that combination is really what instigates the whole exploration into the the shifting demographics and suburbs and pe- what people are afraid of. So my goal was to tell murder mysteries, and I'm not a murder mystery writer. <laughs> so how do I do that if I don't think of myself as one? And the way to do that was to try to hook the murders into thematic context. And so the first book is, you know, suburban change of demographics and, and white flight and white fear. The second book is marriage in suburbia hmm. and the, the, this often stilting, numbing reality of, of your day to day, week to week, month to month existence in, in suburbia. Sure. Um, and and why possibly we shouldn't necessarily blame a spouse if she decides to kill her husband. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the same characters. It's Andrea Stern and Kenny Lee. Uh, and so she's now she she she's gives. I don't want to give away the ending of the first book, but if she's pregnant at some point, she's going to give birth. So in the second book, in the first book, she's 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 tremendously pregnant throughout the entire book in the second book she's carrying the damn baby around everywhere mm. um because the baby's about 10 months old in the second book sure um so um the and then so the second book which i'm editing now and, and doing some revisions to my editor's notes um and it'll come out in 2022 um the, the and it doesn't have a title yet uh so i can't i can't I, it's suburban dicks two for now um, okay. Although that's actually not a bad idea, Suburban Dicks T O O T O O, yeah, there you go. yeah, T O O Suburban Dicks comma too. Um, so um, that book is is explores thematically what marriage is in the suburbs now in America, um, and, and I've had people who've read it already who tell me it's really is is really fun, funny, entertaining, complex and depressing as hell. Um, mm. And I was like, okay, good. Then, then I guess my second book is, is doing exactly what I wanted it to also, because yeah. the, you know, the first, the first book had, you come away from the first book feeling entertained, but a little niggly haunting in you too, I hope um, because of the nature of the themes. Sure, uh, right. I, I hope that the same thing happens with book two. I hope you come out of it having been very entertained, but a niggling sense of utter depression if you're married. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, um, and and it's it was a two book contract. I hope I can do more, but that I'm sure that the publisher is waiting to see how the first one sells. Um, sure, we we've already gotten two excellent reviews from two of the leading publisher publications, uh, Kirkus Review. And uh, Publishers Weekly both gave it a starred review, um, which, especially I've been told with Kirkus, is really hard to come by. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty pleased about that. That's um, awesome, yeah. And, and I hope, uh, yeah, I hope it sells well. I hope it sells well enough that um, that, that they want to do more because I, I would like to do more. I have, I have about five or six with this these characters that I'd like to do. 
Um, and, and, and the story world I like too, because the story world is, is if I turn my camera around and move it around, I'll sh- the story world is my backyard. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's the houses behind me. It's my neighbors. It's me. It's my own house. It's, um, so, so that, that, that's fun too, because I've spent 35 years writing in the Marvel universe and writing in the DC universe and writing, writing, you know, marketing and academic brand narratives for pirates of the Caribbean and halo and avatar. This is me writing in a New Jersey suburb where I live. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and it's a completely different beast. Um, and, and it's really been, been fun to do because I always had to, work really hard to try to get that into my comic stuff Mm. because of the nature of what the comic stuff was. Right. Um, and now I don't have to work that hard to get it in there Yeah. because it's, it's what it's supposed to be. It fits. Yeah. Is that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm pretty happy. I'm, I'm pretty happy about all of that. That's that's amazing. Yeah. I hope the TV option gets picked up too. I hope that they, they can find a showrunner that gets the, the platform to to green light it because i think it would i think it would make an excellent tv show i always did um and and it would be nice to see that happen too not just because of the money but because it, it um it, it helps the book tremendously and oh, yeah. it's also super validating to to be able to sell a book and a tv show that are in a genre in a tone and a style that is that is the that is not what you would think of when you think of me if not not to presume anyone in the audience is ever thinking of me but you know what i mean no i do you, you hear fa- you hear fabian yes and you think x-men or you think deadpool or whatever and, and and you know and and i didn't necessarily think that when i thought fabian is yes you know what i mean uh-huh. I, I, you know my, uh-huh. my brain that's not that's not my go-to it's n- it's never been my go-to yeah um it, you know, I have no problems with being Fabian Yusiasa, the comic book writer. That's fine because that's been my career. Um, but it's 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 not been the totality of my career. You know what I mean? So no. I, I, I like I like this because it, it it gives me the opportunity to think of myself in a different way, and 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 then the audience can't contradict that because the book is there the book exists you know um so so you know and that on that end of it it's pretty it's pretty damn cool uh to have this happen now more so than 20 years ago yeah gotcha no so that's awesome so people should look for suburban dicks coming uh, this summer and then a sequel later june 22nd june 22nd june 22nd it comes out you can pre-order now on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere you buy books, you can pre-order the book now. And I should confirm for our listeners that this is a book without pictures. I, I take it, so we will have to confirm this is not an illustrated uh, work. This there is, is a there prose. is a picture. There's a picture on the front cover, and then there's a picture of me on the inside flap of the back cover. So okay. So two Other than that, comics. there are no pictures. <laughs> there are no pictures. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's just. For for those in the audience that possibly might be a little thick, this is a book, a, a prose <laughs> novel. Pro, okay? Prose is a little advanced. And, prose, prose is a little pee. And I've been told I've been told as a result of this, I'm not a comic book writer. I'm an author, Ooh. right? So I would just 
I just would like that out there officially that I'm an author now. Yeah, I yeah. was never. I was. I guess I wasn't an author before with a hundred million comics sold and a thousand credits, but I'm an author <laughs> now. Perfect. That's amazing. Cool. So we'll include links to all that and, and your stuff here in the show notes for people who want to check that out as well. Um, all right. So I, I think we're, we're coming it. up over an hour. I really appreciate your time here today, Fabian. Uh, thanks to everybody who's been listening to us live and chiming in with questions. That's all greatly appreciated as well. I, I quite appreciate the support. I do want to get in uh, one listener question here, Fabian, which was go um, for it. it. You mentioned so you mentioned the TV options for, for this novel, which I, I hope comes to fruition of your of your comics work. Of the stuff that you've written, I guess, what would, what's the kind of, like, is it New Warriors? Is it Nomad? What's, what's the thing you're, like, proudest of that you would love to see adapted? And then if so, like, how would you want to see it done? Uh, those are two different questions, technically. Um, true. What I am proudest of and probably will always be proudest of is New Warriors, uh, just because of the time in my life and what it meant to me and my career. Yeah. Um, so that's probably what I'll always be proudest of. That's not to say that that's what I think would best be adapted to film or television. Okay. Um, the honest answer is a kooky one because the truth is the best ideas I've had for superhero stuff that would be adapted for television or film are almost always the ones that the companies didn't want to do. Mm. So I think Nomad would have made a great TV series. I still do. And it actually, technically, it was a TV series in the early 90s with Lorenzo Lamas called Renegade. They basically just stole Nomad lock, stock, and barrel. Um, <laughs> but, but there's a lot of pitches that I've had in my career to Marvel, uh, more so Marvel than DC, that they didn't want to do. Even back in the early 90s, at the height of my, my sales success for them, they still didn't want to do them. Um, and those are the ones I think would have made better TV shows. Yeah. I, I had been off. I had a Marvel Boy series I wanted to do, which would have spun off of Justice Number Four miniseries, which was about a kid with superpowers and a father who should have had superpowers but doesn't, and is trying to train his son to be the greatest hero ever, and his son doesn't necessarily want to be. Mm. That was going to be Marvel Boy series. Um, I, I can't even go. I had a, I've had a project I've wanted to do that I've pitched a couple times and they never want to do it. So I stopped bothering uh, called Marvel Town and, and Marvel Town was going to be a North Jersey suburb that has gotten so much detritus and debris from superhero battles that they decided to rename themselves Marvel Town and turn themselves into a small little tourist attraction because huh. it's like a head in a town square and everything it's kind of like archie's meets the marvel universe because it really was just about the people living in marvel town and some of their secrets or some of their existence happens to have tie-ins to real ongoing things in the marvel universe like you know the sheriff is is an under is secretly a hydra agent all this right. other kind of course yeah so you know the, the uh, uh, a romeo and julia type couple where where she may be half alien um you know stuff like that um and that that's one i've always wanted to do that they never bit they never will bite so there, there's what what you never got to see from me would make better television than what you have gotten to see from me <laughs> that's interesting yeah i dig that. that that marvel town one i can totally see like in in like marvel cinematic universe territory of almost like it's kind of like a spin-off of like damage control idea like what are the real people dealing with with all of this yeah debris and and marvel like you know shenanigans and, and artifacts and all that that sounds yeah, pretty entertaining 
if you live in North Jersey and you got to commute into Manhattan on a daily basis, like, can you imagine the amount of delays you got to deal with? Because, because the Avengers fighting, you know, a, a Sentinel or Atlantis is attacking again, or what? Yeah, yeah. You know, so it and it was never intended to be done in a coy fashion. But sure, there was going to be a lot of humor in it. But even back then, when I pitched it to like you know Mark Reynold and Tom DeFalco, Mark always loved it, but and he would have done anything that he thought was different. But but they they just didn't think that Marvel should publish those kinds of books mm -hmm. you know i wanted to do the reason there's a bob agent of hydra in cable and deadpool the character is something i pitched in the early 90s mm. i wanted bob agent of hydra miniseries in the early 90s and tom didn't want to do it because he didn't want to do comedy and, and he also thought that it would diminish hydra as an organization and, and i kept trying to tell him tom they they wear green and yellow and they snap their arms and go hail hydra they they diminish themselves <laughs> There's not a lot I can do to really help their cause. Yeah. This is one of their frontline guys whose teeth always come flying out of his mouth when Captain America kicks him. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's what I wanted it to be, the, 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 the guys on the front line. I tried pitching Bob Agent of Hydra two different ways, um, both as Bob Agent of Hydra, and then I reformatted it into a pitch called Cannon Fodder, which was a, one one of each of the different organizations. Yeah. Aimed and secret empire and sons of the serpent and like oh, there's a, a place they go to they, there's basically a place they go to for post-traumatic stress therapy and like like one of those nice little medical refuge communes in 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 the hills of, of new york or pennsylvania uh -huh. and and they go for a weekend and they have therapy and they all they all basically like let let loose their their frustrations, their 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 fears, their everything, right? Why they're in these organizations? Yeah, yeah. Um, and we flash back through their through their analysis and their group analysis. We flash back to stories of what they were involved in, you know. And it, I, again, a lot of it was comedy, but there's there's some tragedy there too, and some sadness and drama. Um, but but I, you know, and, and Tom said, no, we don't do comedy. I was like, all right, Tom. That's a I don't know, Tom. I, 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 mean, I was like, have you read Thunderstrike lately, Tom? <laughs> but I can say that because I, I love Tom and Tom loves me, so I can make fun of him all I want. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I'm here for Cannon Fodder. That sounds super fun. Uh, speaking of comic yeah. stuff, you mentioned you know you're sitting on uh, an X Men project. You can't talk about uh, anything coming in the uh, in the comics line that you can talk about. Nope, I don't do that much. Uh, my Outrage book still is uh, um, my creator-owned Outrage series with Riley Brown uh, is on Webtoon, which is a, a digital platform that you can download for your phone or your iPad. It's the, the world's leading global digital comic book site. Um, we've, we were in on a temporary scheduling hiatus on season two, mm -hmm. uh, but you can read all existing 40 something chapters on webtoon for free um and, and we're gonna get back to it once our artists are able to catch up on their schedule because they're, they're weekly chapter drops once you start going um cool. uh, so of course you screw up your schedule then they're not weekly chapter drops anymore <laughs> there's a hiatus um but but outrage is is something we've been working on for a couple of years and i'm really happy with it it's a lot of fun uh, the character comes out of your social media device and smacks the crap out of you if you're being an ass on social media. Um, and, and then it's sort of expanded beyond that now uh, as government agencies became interested in what the heck this thing is and why it exists. Um, and, and that's it. I'm not doing that much in comics. I'm, 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 I'm an author now. 
You're yeah, an author so now. Yeah, absolutely. Author. I got an auteur. So being an auteur takes a lot of work. It's, it's, it's mm -hmm. time consuming to be an author as opposed to being a writer. If I was just a writer, I couldn't willy nilly do anything. Oh, the writers are everywhere. Right. Writers are all over the place. Yeah. yeah writers are a dime a dozen. Authors. <laughs> Authors. We're not like Starbucks, you know? <laughs> um, so, so no, I'm work. I, I gotta, I gotta do, I, I gotta do rewrites on, on the second book to the editor's notes. And he gave me some valid notes uh, that, that kind of had me, they're wonderful editor's notes. You, as a writer, you love it when the editor says, we got to cut about 5,000 words and, and I have an idea to add two subplots. <laughs> yeah. like, Wait a minute. How, how am I supposed to cut 5,000 words and, and add two subplots? Um, so I am actually in the process now, and I'm going to get right back to it after we're done, of doing exactly that. Okay. Trying to cut out 5,000 words and add two subplots to the second book. Um, Good luck. And, and that's kinda, <laughs> right now that's kind of, yeah, no kidding. Um, I, 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 I cut the, I cut 8,000 words out of it actually, but now while I'm percolating the subplots, 2000 more words have crept their way back in. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to write without the use of words. I've, I've come to realize in books, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> if I could, if I could write without using words, it would make a huge difference in the word count of the book. Um, <laughs> So uh, and that's my goal for my third book is to try to find a way to write the book without words because then I won't have to worry about cutting them. Yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, maybe some like narrative captions, insert silent panel here, you know, like get, get, get some. Or maybe going. if I have someone if, if I have someone just draw what I have in mind uh -huh. to write, then they could just draw it in the book and then I could that could be the book. Yeah, it'll be a lot less words because there'll be pictures. And you send that back to your editor and say, no problem. 5,000 words. No cut. problem. I don't, I don't yeah. need to worry about cutting 5,000 words because there's the pictures. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Got it. Got everything needed. <laughs> so so it, it, yeah. And that, I'm, I'm, I, I'm percolating the third book in the series now, even though I probably shouldn't be because I don't have a contract to do it. Um, but but I'm doing that too. That that's that's in the note taking stage. Sure. Um, so so yeah, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a. I'm not a comic book writer, Dave. I haven't. I really haven't thought of myself as a comic book writer as the sole means of my income in 20 years. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So the fact I did a couple projects for Marvel in the last year is like almost miraculous because that uh, that hadn't happened for quite a while. And, yeah. and I, I got to be honest with you, I've been offered a couple other things at Marvel. So on the one hand, it's really nice to, to have them offer you work because it's always nice to be offered work. Yeah, for uh, sure. But on the other hand, it shows how my mindset has really changed over time in that I've actually turned down a couple projects now in the last six months because I just didn't, they didn't interest me enough. I didn't think that, that I would bring enough to them, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and that uh, I'm actually really happy about that. I got to be honest with you. I'm really happy that I can say no, because I spent way too many years of my life not saying no to things. And I probably should have, you know? Yeah. Um, Sounds like a really healthy place to be, honestly. Yeah, it, it, it is. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good right now. Um, being a freelance writer is not, was never necessarily my intention or my goal, Oddly enough, because I love the office job, I loved working in, in an office environment. I like, I like managing groups of people and and being a boss, or even not being the boss and still being in, in a dynamic group of people with with a goal and, and, and a function on a daily basis. I love that interaction. Um, 
but I'm at the age now where that's not going to happen anymore. I mean, I was even in an office environment like 10 years ago. I was, I was, um, I had a virtual world startup called Fungo Play, which is a kids' sports theme virtual world, and I was the chief creative officer and one of the founders of that thing. That was five years of my life, and I was in the city every day for two, three of those years. Right. Um, it was back in 2012, 2013. So I, I've always liked that balance. I never thought of myself as as a, as a full time writer in mm-hmm. my brain. Um, but now I'm hitting 60 this year, and I don't have to think of myself as a full time writer anymore because now I can think of myself as an author. <laughs> it's awesome it's awesome no I, I love to hear it well uh, thanks so much i appreciate i really appreciate you hopping on and and having this conversation with me and with us um it's been it's been awesome to talk to you about i, I appreciate you especially too like when i hear you like you're you've so clearly moved on right in your life and it's all these people want to come to you and hey, what about x-men right because there's this fandom that is built around this this thing that you used to do right and it's got to be a little weird and in a little like yeah like i but there's there's all these people that are coming to it especially the way everything's been digitized now where like all this work that you did people are coming to it fresh now and loving it and that's probably i don't know is that something you anticipated like when you're writing these things you know because you owned x-men essentially from like 92 to 94 95 ish right was that ever in the back of your mind like this is going to be a big deal 20 30 years from now um in a way, yeah, because I, I, it's no different. You know, a fan approaching me at a convention to want to talk about this stuff or a podcast where they want to focus on that. Um, it, it's not that different in my mind than me geeking out about George Perez, meeting George Perez, or or sure. or getting to know Walt Simonson and and Louise, and and getting to know Chris Claremont and. Th- you know, Jim Starlin, I was, look, I, I've been in this industry for 35 years. All right. I've sold a hundred million comics, 150. I don't even know. Right. Um, I have over a thousand credits last March, right before the pandemic hit and we all shut down was the last convention I did in Mexico city. Sure. Uh, Lama, Lama Lake convention. I'm sitting at lunch with Jim Starlin and I'm thinking to myself, and Jim and I have known each other for years now, and and, and we're friends, and I like him. It just, it, but I'm sitting there at lunch, and there's that moment where I think to myself, I'm effing having lunch with Jim Starlin. <laughs> yeah. If you had told me when I was 12 years old, reading, buying Captain Marvel off the racks because I saw his covers and they blew me away, right. that I'd be having lunch with Jim Starlin in Mexico city, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. So, I mean, I totally get that aspect of it. Um, and I'm totally comfortable with it. I understand it. Um, but it's like you said, though, it's, it's just a part of a career. It's no different than when people want to overly harp on, on the work I did with, with, with Rob Liefeld, where that was basically a year of my life, Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm right. 59 years old. That was one year of my life and, and 12 comics or 14 comics yeah. out of the thousands that I've written, you know? Yeah. So, so I, I, I want, I have no problems with fans who have that as an interest or a focus even, I just don't want them to think that's the totality of my interest or my focus, Oh, sure. you know? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's only when they don't quite get that, that, that it gets a little uncomfortable because you know, you know how some fans can be, it's understandable, but they can get a little self-righteous about their own interests. Yeah. Um, 
and sometimes mine just doesn't coincide with theirs. And, and, you know, it may even just be a moment because maybe tomorrow I'll be more interested in talking to you about, you know, X-Force 26 than I am today. You know sure. what I mean? Right. Um, the, the only way you can't lose is if you come up to me and want to talk about New Warriors. Then you're golden. <laughs> then it's no problem. <laughs> you always got time for New Warriors. Yeah. <laughs> Always got time for New Warriors fans because they were the cool ones. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. All right. Awesome. Fabian, this has been a blast. Thanks, everybody, for joining live. Thank I'm you. Going to go ahead and end the live stream here. Uh, but seriously, thanks so much for everybody who joined. And obviously, for those of you who are coming later, thanks for listening as well. I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at Comic Book Herald online. I write at comicbookherald.com. Uh, this is Fabian Nicieza, and we'll include links to all of the places you can find him. Uh, Fabian, where is the best place to find you currently if fans want to? Twitter. Connect? Twitter. Usually the quick. Quickest, easiest way to get me is on Twitter. Um, my DMs are open and will be as long as people aren't jerks. Um, and, and you can get me at Fabian Nisiasa at Twitter. Okay. Awesome. Perfect.